Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. You know, um, if you were here for the Christmas Eve service, um, it was just a special, very special time. And and I'm so thankful for our worship team. Um, I hope you never take for granted how blessed we are to have Jeremy as our worship pastor. And um, he gives amazing leadership. Um, Christmas Eve, just like every Sunday, it's never a show. It's never a concert. It's never a performance. It's always worship. And the focus is never on the individuals, the soloists, the instrumentalists. The focus is always on Jesus. And our worship team gets that. They understand that. And Jeremy understands that. And he gives that kind of leadership that their job is to bring us into the presence of holy God. And so I am very thankful that we have the kind of worship team that we do and that we have the leadership that we do with Jeremy. And um, never, ever take that for granted. So I'm very thankful to them. Um, You know, the reality is we're not here to entertain or wow you, but we are here to take you into the presence of holy God. And we can do that through music, and we do that through the teaching of God's Word. Um, When we teach God's Word, it's for encouragement, it's for direction, it's for sometimes conviction and correction, uh, it's for empowerment of your life, and it is never ever to tickle your ears or to entertain you. In fact, God's vision for Gateway is all that matters. It's not my vision or your vision, it's God's vision. And his vision for us has never, ever changed. And it's clear in Scripture that he desires for us to connect with people in our community in order to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And not just our community, but in our area and even outside of our area and even overseas, which we do. So Gateway, we never try to find techniques, gimmicks, tricks to bring about the movement of holy God. Not only is that arrogant, but that's idolatrous. That is pure idolatry, to try to take God and create a gimmick to bring about his movement. In fact, over the years of Gateway's journey, there have been those who've tried to lure us into those gimmicks and into those shortcuts and into those personal preferences. But the secret for our future, our robust future, has been and always will be sold out disciples who live in response to the grace of Jesus. Sold out disciples who desire to live out God's word. 
sold out disciples who love Jesus, period. And so that's why we never buy into a scheme, a program. We only buy into Jesus. In Galatians chapter 6, there's a warning, a reminder, but also an encouragement. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always, always, always harvest what you plant. And this is not just for believers. This is a universal statement that's true for everyone. This is one of those statements that apply to every single person, whether they believe God or not. Whatever you sow in your life, that's what you're going to reap. That's what you're going to harvest. <clears throat> and those who live, according to verse 8, only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. <clears throat> but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Now, I want to stop there for a second about that statement, satisfy their own sinful lust. Um, what is that? Because sometimes it is not, it is not a quote, sin as such. It's not something you go and do and you know it's a sin. <clears throat> but rather, it answers, the question is answered in the last part of that verse, pleasing the Spirit of God. Whatever is not pleasing to the Spirit of God is satisfying your own sinful nature. It's an either or. It's not both and. You cannot do both at the same time. You're either living to please God, God's spirit, or you're living to please yourself. And living to please yourself, even if it's not involving, quote, a sin, it's a sin. <clears throat> because you cannot please God while you're spending all your time trying to please you. So that's why he said, don't be misled. God will not be mocked in this matter. He says, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest an everlasting life from the Spirit. So therefore, don't get tired of doing what is good. <clears throat> At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If we don't give up seeking to be sold out disciples, payback is beautiful because it's God honoring and it's eternal blessing. God cannot be fooled by spiritual pretense, never will be. And all people harvest the consequences of their actions. Everything you're dealing with right now in your life, most of it is a consequence of your action. Some of it is a consequence of other people's actions. But most of it is a consequence of your actions. So living to please the Spirit, it's only possible 
through the Spirit's power. So let's dig in and let's ask ourselves some questions. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul, Paul says some things that some of them are kind of outrageous, uh, unbelievable. I mean, amazing some things he says. Um, God places himself in the position of a slave when he's in a household. When he shows up into a city, he usually lives with one of the believers. But when he goes into that home, he doesn't go in to be the honored guest. He says, I'm here to serve. And that's why he uses the word slave. I'm here to serve you. And so he is willing to adjust his lifestyle and his behavior for the sake of the people that he's with so that he might win some to Christ. So let's, let's read some of these. Um, some of these things are a little challenging, um, but make sure we understand it. Paul said, even, even though I'm a free man with no master except Jesus, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. In other words, I, I'm going to do whatever it takes to bring some people to Jesus. I'm going to become who I need to become to bring some to Jesus. He says, when, when I was with the Jews, and he was Jewish, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. And here's how he did it. He said, when I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I lived I too lived under that law. He, he followed those same rules. Was he obligated to do it? No. Was he sinning if he didn't do it? No. Was he sinning if he did do it? No. He said, I willingly submitted to all those laws that God had set me free from when I met Jesus, but I'm willing to submit that so that that doesn't become the stumbling block of conversation with these Jewish brothers and sisters so that they don't want to sit there and talk about, well, why don't you honor the Sabbath? Why don't you keep the Sharia law? Why aren't you keeping, uh, uh, not Sharia law, why aren't you keeping Shabbat, Shabbat the way you're supposed to? Why, why aren't you doing these things? And um, he took that out of the equation. So he could make it all about Jesus. And then he said, he said, even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so that I bring them to Christ. Now, here's an important saying, because here, here's, here's the deal. Some people read this. And they think, oh, okay, so if I've got a friend who's got a drug problem, I'm going to go take drugs with them. Or if they got a drinking problem, I'll go to the bars with them. This is not what he's saying. In fact, he clarifies it. Here's what he says. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. I will always do what the, the law of Jesus requires of me. I will not violate that for anyone. But all these other things, traditions and all that, that really don't mean anything, I'm willing to subject myself to those things for the sake of the gospel. In other words, I'm going to take that out of the equation. I don't want that to be a roadblock, a hindrance, to keep them from hearing the truth of Jesus. 
So he was willing to become all things to all people without breaking the law of Christ. I'm, I'm not going to disobey what Jesus says. In verse 22, he says, when I am weak with those who are weak, I share in their weakness. Now, what that means is when I'm with them, I don't act holier than thou, but I empathize. I, I say, hey, I know exactly how you feel. I, I have been weak. I know the struggle. I struggle. In other words, I don't judge them. If they're far from Jesus, it doesn't matter what they're doing. And if I focus on what they're doing wrong and miss the opportunity of sharing Christ, I can clean them up, but they're still not going to heaven. I can get them to stop doing certain behaviors, but they're still not going to be saved. He says, when I'm those who are weak, I share in their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. I try to find common ground with everyone. There's a great statement right there. You see, when you meet with somebody or you talk to somebody for the first time, instead of, okay, I've got to share Jesus real quick. No, Paul says, I try to find common ground first. What are some common interests? What is it they love? <clears throat> what is it that they're passionate about? So that I can talk to them about it. So that we can share about it. He, he said, I, I try to find common ground. And I do everything I can to save some. I know not all are going to be saved, but some will be. Verse 23, I, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. I don't lose sight of the purpose of doing this, the sight of the reason for doing this. I'm going to jump down to verse 26. I run with purpose in every step. In every step that I take, it's with a purpose. Every conversation I have, it's with a purpose. Every time we talk about things, and I try to find common ground of things that they're interested in, and we can talk about it, it's with the purpose. <clears throat> Building a relationship with them. So that we can talk. So we can find some common interest. So here, here's the deal. Paul said in verse 27, I, I discipline my body like an athlete. I train it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I make sure I got my own act together. I focus on what really matters and I discipline myself to avoid the things that don't matter. To avoid the things that rob me from doing what matters. So I, I want you to ask yourself a question. 
Am I just out of shape spiritually? Am I out of shape spiritually? Now, they say for the next two weeks, every gym in the area is going to be packed out to the max. So if you go to the gym regularly, just wait two weeks, and then it'll be wide open. But are you out of shape spiritually? Here's how you can know. I, I, I don't read my Bible. If you don't read your Bible... That's a big clue you're out of shape spiritually. And, and let, me, let me give you some advice on this, some suggestions. When you read the Bible, read it out loud. That's what I like to do. I like to just read it out loud. Because here's what I've discovered. When I read it just in my mind, I'm easily distracted. In my mind, it, it's easy to wonder. But when I'm reading out loud then it takes more focus. I'm using more of my senses, and therefore, I focus better. A second thing that you can do is to listen to it. And that's easy. I mean, if you've got the Bible app, you, it's, all, it's all recorded for you. <clears throat> and so when you're in your car, you, you can play one of the books, and it'll read it to you out loud. So you involve another senses, you know, you're hearing the word of God. And then a third thing that maybe you hadn't thought about that really digs in deep, write it out. I mean, sit there and read, and you can do this a couple of different ways. You can write it out word for word what you just read, or you could write it out in a way of what it means to you what God is saying to you. In other words, personalize it. Take the scripture and personalize it for you and what the word is saying. So if you're saying it out loud and if you're hearing it and you're writing it, you're involving all your senses in this and it's going to dig deeper into you. And you're going to read something or hear something, and there are going to be those moments you went, oh, my goodness, what did I just read? I've never paid attention to that before. In fact, we're going to read one of those verses in a minute, and you're going to go, oh, my goodness. <clears throat> so are you out of shape spiritually? I don't read my Bible. Yes, you're out of shape spiritually. I don't pray. If you're not praying, and I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about your won't list. I'm talking about praying for others, interceding for others. If you're not praying, you're out of shape spiritually. Just a fact. Another clue that you're out of shape spiritually is you're bored with worship and with praise. It does not excite your heart. You don't connect. You're bored with it. I mean, there are some worship songs I'll listen to and they'll just bring me to tears. And maybe if we don't play songs that um, you particularly really connect with, that's okay. They're available. Go and listen to them. And then the good news is in your car or when you're home alone, you can sing as loud as you want. And nobody cares whether you can sing or not. 
A fourth reason that would indicate or a clue that would say you're out of shape spiritually, you cannot remember the last time you shared the gospel. You cannot remember the last time you told somebody who Jesus was. So let me encourage you to get in shape spiritually. In fact, one of the things that we're going to do starting next week, our first series we're going to have, we're going to, we're going to spend 40 days in prayer. We're going to spend a lot of time focused prayer to get ourselves in shape spiritually as a church, but mainly as individuals. And, um, and we're going to learn to pray correctly the right way, the God-honoring way. You know, I mentioned a month or so ago about 120 prayer warriors to join me, and we're going to get real serious about that starting next week. Another question to ask yourself about your spiritual condition, am I taking shortcuts in my spiritual life? Do I take shortcuts? I want forgiveness, but I don't want to repent. That's a shortcut. God, forgive me for what I did last night and forgive me for what I'm going to do tonight. That's a shortcut. You want forgiveness, but you don't want repentance. Another shortcut. I want to grow, but I don't want to study. I want to make an A on the exam, but I don't want to study for it. You can't have it both ways. That's one of those, you reap what you sold. You're going to get the grade that you prepared yourself for. I want spiritual power, but I'm not willing to invest in prayer. That's um, a shortcut. I want blessings but I don't want to be generous. <clears throat> I don't want to tithe. I, I want to be blessed, <clears throat> but I don't want to be generous myself. I want God to be generous with me, but I'm not willing to be generous. That's a shortcut that will never work. Number three, am I willing to connect with people so I might win some. Am I really willing to connect with people so that I might win some? That's a huge question. And, and so one of the ways to answer that question is, that, am I willing to pray for my friends and family members? Am I willing to do that? Uh, I've got a, <clears throat> a friend from high school. We went to the same church. And um, he was not a believer, didn't pretend to be a believer. He went to church because his parents made him come, but we were friends. And, and, but he was a good guy, did, you know, he wasn't in trouble. And uh, he went off and was having a good job. And then all of a sudden I heard he had become a believer and he was now a missionary on the mission field. And um, I actually had a meeting in London uh, with some missionaries and he was a part of that meeting. And so we were, I actually, he invited me to stay at his house. So I stayed at his house and we were talking and I said, dude, you got, you got to tell me what happened. What happened? I, you know, I haven't heard the story. He said, 
I could pull out a stack of letters like that. He says, you remember Tom, who was the summer youth worker at our church? I said, oh, yeah. Tom and I actually stay in touch. He said, I could show you a stack of letters like that. He wrote me all the time. When he knew I was not walking with Jesus, wasn't a believer. And gradually over time, I started softening my heart to Jesus. And eventually I said yes. And the next thing I knew, God called me to the mission field. And the next time, I, when I got back home, I, I called Tom. I said, hey, dude, uh, I heard about those letters. And he said, yeah. You know, he said, I just felt God, God actually compelled me to stay in touch with him, to not give up on him. So, wow, I am so proud of you for doing that because, man, it changed a person's life. And so here's a summer worker who just had a couple of months with a student, and he made a long-time commitment to help win him to the Lord. I wonder, is there somebody like that in your life or somebody you just cross paths gradually and, and you're willing to say, yes, I'm willing to commit a lot of time an effort to that person. And um, I mean, I've told you the story about my surfer friend I met on a flight. That was a year and nine months ago. And I texted uh, Grayson last night. I said, dude, it's been a year and nine months since we first met. And, he, and I told him, I said, you know, I asked God why we stayed connected. And here's what God told me. I said, God told me that I wanted Grayson to know how much I love him. And I chose you to be the one to tell him. And his reply back to me, Grayson said, it was definitely not an accident. You know, it was a, it was definitely a meant to be. So I wonder who you're going to cross paths with. And maybe it's a brief moment, a brief period of time. <clears throat> and, and you're the one that God says, hey, I want you to be the person to tell them that I love them. Because if you're not the one, you're going to miss that blessing and I'll find somebody else. But I'm asking you to do it. So you will hear God tell you that when you set your mind to that to begin with. When you ask God in your prayer, Lord, who would you like for me to tell them that you love them? You see, a lot of people, most people, think that God hates them because they're not a good person. They think God is mad at them. They think God is out to get them. They think God is unreachable. Whatever they think. And you might be the only voice that says, hey, God actually 
loves you. Paul said in Romans 10, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. Your prayer should be, my prayer should be, the longing of our heart is for the people of Irmo, Ballantyne, Chapin to be saved. By the way, 80% of the people of our community are not in church. 80%. Am I willing to connect with people so that I might win some? Well, are you willing to do what it takes to connect with people? Paul said in Romans 16, Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. Now get this, in deference to the Jews of the area, see Timothy, his dad was Greek, so Timothy doesn't come from a Jewish family. In deference to the Jews in the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Timothy's going, you want me to do what? You imagine that conversation? And Paul's sitting there going, what are you willing to do to win some? What are you willing to do? A third way of knowing, am I willing to get out of my comfort zone for the benefit of others? Paul stayed in Corinth, verse 18, Acts 18. Paul stayed in Corinth for some time after that, then said goodbye to his brothers and sisters and went to nearby Sincrea. Uh, there he shaved his head according to the Jewish custom. Was he required to do that by God? No, it was a Jewish custom marking the end of a vow. He had made a vow, and the, and the Jewish custom was, at the end of the vow, you would shave it. Paul did that. Then he set sail for Syria, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. Paul was willing to do whatever. He was willing to do whatever it took to win some. In fact, am I willing to go to extremes to win some? You remember I told you there's going to be a verse that's going to be a little hard to understand. Maybe you haven't read it before, and this is it. Romans 9.3. Paul said, for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters, I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ if that would save them. Oh my goodness. Do you read what Paul just said? I, I've told people before, hey, I, I'm, I'd die for you. I'd be willing to die for you. But would you say 
I'm willing to give up my salvation and spend eternity in hell for the sake of your salvation. Oh my. That's a whole different level. Do you know Paul said this? That's how committed he was. Now, thankfully, that's not what it takes to save someone. But that just shows you the attitude of his heart. I'm so desperate for my own people to get saved. I'd be willing to be cut off from Christ for their salvation. What are we willing to do? What are we willing to do for the sake of the gospel? This is why we're starting with 40 days of prayer. Because that's where the power comes from. My firm belief, at the end of the 40 days, we're going to be more devoted, disciplined followers of Jesus for the sake of the gospel like never before. And we're going to make a dent in that 80%. Are you willing to become all things to all people for the sake of the gospel? Let's pray. Father, It just blows me out of the water that Paul said he was willing to be cut off from Jesus for the sake of his own people. Our, and, and, and yet, we're slow to get out of the comfort of our home to tell someone about Jesus. I so thank you. I so thank you that we have been given a task that is eternal, that matters, that makes a difference, that changes lives for eternity. We're called to be a part of it. And it doesn't matter what our career is. It doesn't matter what our life's, what we're doing with our life. It's what we do with where we're at in the circumstances we're already in. Let us be willing to become all things to all people for the sake of the one that needs to know that God loves them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.